This episode of Tis the Podcast is brought to you by Brady's Blended Family Dating Services. Got a whole heap of kids and clamoring for a spouse? Want that spouse to come with a whole heap of kids of their own? At Brady's Blended, we'll make sure your house is never quiet again and Christmas trips to Greece are impossible. Enjoy the show. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I think I'm Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, guys, how was Easter? It was good. It It was was good. good. The weather was beautiful the day we celebrated, and then it went to crap the next day. Yeah, same here. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I was... We haven't celebrated yet. I was in Houston, though, um, and my family was celebrating Easter, and uh, it was hot. It was like 80-something degrees, guys. That sounds like Houston. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice spring day here for Easter. Then the next day, we got four inches of snow, which oh, all, all, all melted by the next day, and it's just been raining all day today wow. and tomorrow. Womp womp. Fun. Yeah. Okay, so this week we are covering two Christmas specials. We are covering uh, The Brady Bunch, their one and only Christmas episode, season one, episode 12, The Voice of Christmas, which first aired December 19th, 1969, so right before the holiday itself. And then we are also covering 1988's made-for-TV reunion movie, A Very Brady Christmas. I feel like calling that a special is a pretty loose term of the word. A loose, <laughs> loose use of the term. <laughs> we will get to that. Uh, clearly, it's going to be an argumentative episode. <laughs> Just like the last time I hosted an episode where we covered two specials at once. The Grinch. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, but before, just like in that one, we had varying opinions between the two of them as well. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just, yeah. So. so, but before we get either special, I wanted to ask you both really quickly, what's your history with the Brady Bunch in general, if you have any? Because I feel like even though people may not be fans of the Brady Bunch, everybody knows the Brady Bunch. They're one of those iconic pop culture staples. So, Julia... What's your history with them? I I always liked the Brady Bunch. I don't know that I would set my clock to sitting down watching it at the same time every day, um, but it was always a part of summer reruns when my brother was home from college. He enjoyed it because that's – he didn't grow up in the 60s, but he was born in 75, so he's a little closer to it. Um, 
I always liked it. It was always visually interesting to me too, just because the colors of the sixties and seventies, once it was in color, um, it was just, I, I, I always liked it. I have a very fond place in my heart for the Brady Bunch. Wait, once it was in color, was it never not in color? I thought it, it was wasn't always in color. In black and white at the very beginning. I thought it was always in color. Know. It may have been. Those shows run together a little bit. They I do. Love, I, I like the Brady Bunch, but I love Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West was good. Yeah. That's my favorite 1960s show of all time ever because it is a science fictiony Western. Weird. And, and the Will Smith movie was amazing, right? I never, I refuse to even see it. <laughs> Absolutely refuse to see it. Will not that, see it. That's a, that's a good idea. That's Although if anybody wants to sponsor a Patreon episode where we force Julie to watch it, please don't. Let us know. Please Donate. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Tom, I don't want your money. With the Brady Bunch in general. Uh, you know, it's been there. I never watched it. I never really didn't watch it. It was just kind of, if it was on, it was on. Um, it was a Nick at Night thing when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, now Friends is on Nick at Night. Just so y'all know. I know. Feel old, How, old, right? How old does that make us feel? Very right. old. When we were kids, Answer, we very Brady, old. When we were kids, we watched The Brady Bunch. Julia, your kids who stay up to watch it now watch Friends. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's all right. And while we're talking favorite shows from the 60s, um, well, I guess it started a little bit before that. I really liked Dragnet. I thought that was fun. Mm. And Mary Tyler Moore. I liked all the hokey family shows from the 60s, like The Brady Bunch and Bewitched and The Monsters and all that stuff. Me too. Can we agree, though, that the monkeys were terrible? The monkeys were terrible. terrible. Okay. Awful. But nice Brady Bunch connection because Marsha had a crush on Davy Jones, right? Was that his name? The squid guy from the pirate movie? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. What's your history, Anthony? Yeah, no, I so I've liked the Brady Bunch since I was really young. It was like Tom said, it was on Nick at Night. And I remember in the summer growing up, like each night was dedicated to one of those different older shows. So like the Brady Bunch was one night and you know, Gilligan's Island was another night and I Dream of Genie another night. So like and they would just be marathons all night long. So uh the Brady Bunch was always my favorite. There and I still love the Brady Bunch because I don't know, there's something wholesome about it, and I love Mike and Carol as parents, and it's just something so innocent and timely about it. I really liked the show, mm-hmm. and I really liked, I don't know, I guilty liked the 90s movies where they made fun of them, but, <laughs> right. but no, and I enjoyed like all the many spinoffs that came in between, which there were a lot. Before we get into either special, I'm just going to run through the cast real quick because they're pretty much the same throughout, except for one of them. So Robert Reed plays Mike Brady, the patriarch of the family. Florence Henderson plays Carol Brady. Uh, Ann B. Davis plays Alice, the housekeeper. Barry Williams plays Greg. Maureen McCorry plays Marsha. Christopher Knight plays Peter. Eve Plum plays Jan. Mike Lookingland plays Bobby. And Susan Olsen plays Cindy in the original TV show. And then Jennifer Runyon plays her in the reunion movie because Susan Olsen was on her honeymoon and couldn't work out schedule and to shoot the movie. But um, let's start really quickly with the TV show episode, uh, the voice of Christmas. So Tom, do you want to give us a plot synopsis for that? I will give us a plot synopsis for that. The Brady's are excited to spend their first Christmas together as a family. 
but when Carol suddenly develops laryngitis a few days before the holiday, their spirits are dampened when it becomes clear that she may not be able to sing her solo during Christmas Day services. While the older kids believe that Christmas should be postponed until their mother feels better, little Cindy Brady decides to ask a department store Santa Claus for a Christmas miracle to bring her mother's voice back in time for Christmas morning. Aww. So it is just yeah, as sweet as the episode. It is. It, this episode is really sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, I don't know, I feel like it's one of those iconic Christmas and episodes for me. Like, um, when I talk, say, Christmas TV specials, I mean of, like, established shows, not something like Rudolph or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because Sarah never saw the Brady Bunch until she moved down to America, and we got married. She had never seen an episode in her life, but she knew, besides the theme song, she didn't know about Cindy Brady asking Santa Claus to bring her mom's voice back on Christmas, and Aww. then Carol Brady singing Oh Come All Ye Faithful at Christmas services the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I think it is uh, an episode that's steeped in pop culture history. Yeah, I really liked it. I think it's such a sweet little story. What about you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sweet. I think all the stuff I love about the show is magnified when we'll talk about this special. Um, what the Brady Bunch, I think, did very well was the tight-knit family and quickness like the pace of it's very fast right you can cut to what the boys are doing getting the tree the interaction between alice and the dad and then you you know the mom with the voice stuff and the and the smelly neck wrap and all of that and it keeps you moving and everybody has their little it's just a bunch of meat cutes and i i've always loved that about the baby about the brady bunch and this episode is is just like that and it's just very effective to me and it's very sweet and i i florence henderson was perfect in this role which is why people still see her as the mother of she all she was beautiful too man i was looking <laughs> she was and mm-hmm. sydney brady when she was really young was so freaking cute yeah <laughs> their little pigtail curls the curls yeah very cute the things i liked about it, i really like the the imagery i like the music that they had going uh, one of my favorite things was seeing the presents that they had all wrapped. Those big, beautiful bows and the wrapping paper colors were really nice mm-hmm. for me. It did have Christmas feels. Um, I'm a little more cynical than you guys. I found the over-sentimentality nauseating. <laughs> um, it was entirely too contrived and unbelievable. And I have to rem- remind myself that this was the 60s and trying to project an era um, when America was great before. And that's just what the Brady Bunch is known for, right? Like, even by 60 yeah. standards, it was, like, over-sentimental and overly corny. It was. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I didn't really um, love so much about it. Um, I have some questions about the world that they created and how they, they came together that I want to discuss with you guys. But uh, I'll leave it there for now. Well, I'll say to the creator's defense of this show, he wanted to make it less sentimental <laughs> and... A little more realistic, like, for example, he wanted Carol to be a divorcee and Mike Brady to be a widower, but the network was like, well, you can't have a divorcee on TV in prime time, so just don't mention her husband at all. And he wanted to, you know, do more serious stuff, a little, you know, within the confines of a comedy, but the network was like, no, focus it on, you know, little kid problems. So that caught, that was 
that's a whole point of contention between him and the actor who played Mike Brady because uh, he hated the show, despite coming back for every reunion special they ever did. He used to type up pages of notes on each script and give it to the director and the creator and be like, this is why this can't happen. And uh, to the point where he didn't, he refused to appear in the finale of the show because he thought it was so contrived and ridiculous. So he didn't do it. Interesting. I didn't know that. Be still my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I always found it funny because he always came back for all the reunion specials throughout the years. And in the 90s, so we'll talk about the reunion special, the Christmas special in a minute. But that did so well in the ratings and was so well received by audiences at the time that it spun off an entire show called The Brady's with all of them. And um, if it had kept going, the creator very famously said he planned on killing off Mike Brady because the actor got on his nerves so much. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Good grief. Yeah. There's a dark side to The Brady's. This week on True Hollywood Stories, The Brady Bunch. I'm listening uh, to it. I see you went there. I'm listening to like a death metal version in my head of the opening <laughs> song <laughs> with growl. Uh, speaking of Hollywood stories, the E true Hollywood story about the Brady Bunch back when they used to do that is really interesting. I it's bet. Like I bet it is. Uh, but yeah, this special. So I just love this scene where she's on Santa's lap, just innocently asking for her mother's voice back. And Santa just really doesn't want to promise it to her, but then those cute little eyes get to him and he says, okay. And then Mike Brady's not annoyance, but just kind of, he doesn't know how to break it to her that Santa can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know. I love the whole thing. It was very sweet. It was very overly sentimental, like Tom said, but it was Christmassy to me and it gave me the Christmas feels. Mm-hmm. Why was Santa's beard dirty? Could he not have bathed oh, yeah. before going so to see yellow. those kids? That was <laughs> yeah. disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So that's like, yellow. That's yep. like nicotine and tar built up on there. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I thought too. <laughs> it grossed me out and all I could think is, uh, and I wrote down, Ellie will never sit on this Santa's lap. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Nice. I the love the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. The Christmas tree is so pretty, and it it is in this the next one we're going to discuss as well. Um, that very wide based, sprawlingly. I don't know what kind of tree that is, but where again, I have a fake tree. I've always had a fake tree. I don't know what real Christmas trees look like, apparently, but their theirs is just glorious. It, it is, I hated the tinsel. So I hate tinsel. So oh, really? I, well, I wasn't I even talking about it decorated. Tree, just right. the structure of the actual tree. When they carried yeah. it in, and I, the thing yeah. that got me about it, I loved. I don't like perfect trees. Like that's just not how trees are mm-hmm. in the in the in the wild. And at the top, there's that weird bare spot. But it's so charming, mm-hmm. and I love. Oh, I love that tree. I'm with you. That's a, we get. We usually mm-hmm. get Fraser firs, which are very similar um, to how that looks. Okay, now I know. I, I agree. I like the structure of the tree. It's just tinsel. I've always hated tinsel, so. I, I over, for decorating. I over Is that what the elf says? I, it's just for decorating. <laughs> As a kid, guys, I loved tinsel. Like, my <laughs> trees growing up, I, I mean, we're talking tacky, tacky levels of, of tinsel. Um uh, <laughs> I mean, that was like, it was like the coolest thing as a kid, though. 
<laughs> so I do have a question for Julia since you actually watched the show growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. I don't recall the Brady Bunch ever having like actually any friends, and yet every room in their house had twenty bazillion Christmas cards taped all over the walls. And I was like, Oh yeah. Is mailing <laughs> all these cards to them. <laughs> I thought it was there cool so with the cards, cards. The cards coming down the banister. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. And I have to Just say so the Brady house was like my favorite house growing up. Mine especially too. the backyard. I loved their backyard. With the AstroTurf lawn? Yes, with the AstroTurf <laughs> lawn. I love that backyard and the stone. And I used to think their house was just the absolute coolest house ever. It's funny that you bring that up because that was my next comment I was going to say is I loved the house in this episode. It was just warm yeah. and, and everything was perfect. They made the house in the next episode, in the, the one we're about to discuss... It was disgusting. It looked like the Golden Girls had vomited in it. It was every awful, tacky thing about the Golden Girls that I can think of rolled up into one disgusting house. Well, it was the 80s, and they were a retired couple living on their own at that point. But it was the same the, house. But he was yeah. a, he was but they ruined the, the look of the house and he was an architect, so I would think yeah, they like have to have had taste at some point, and I don't know where it went. <laughs> That is, it's so funny. That's a big problem I have also, which I know we'll talk about, but let's revisit that because. Okay, good, good, good. Like, okay. Okay. I'm not the only one. So we're, we're seeing this and we're only, you know, this is the first Christmas episode. We're only a few months in to them living together and having this blended family. The kids have no qualms with spending their first family with their first Christmas with this new family without their other actual parent. We've completely forgotten that they exist. We are now calling, Mike is now calling, telling the boys about their mother. I was in a blended family. That's not how it works, guys. That's not, you don't just suddenly like, well, oh, you know what? I forgot about everybody else. I love you, mommy and daddy. We're a few months in. Come on. That's nauseatingly over-sentimental. I, I can't blame the show for that. I have to blame the network. Because like I said, they wanted to deal with their original spouses and everything like that. I don't That's care whose work. fault it is. It came out. the mandate. It came out giving me some acid reflux, and I tasted vomit in my mouth. I think this show, I think what I watched on that show could cause diabetes. Diabetes. The diabetes. But, I mean, that's why I always, I, that's one of the things I always liked about the Brady Bunch, though, was that over-sentimentality and the fact that no matter what the problem was, whether it was one of the adults having a problem or one of the kids, they could solve it. Like that, just with a talk, a pep talk, and a smile, and a pat on the shoulder, and that was it. I, that's, and I think that's what probably a lot of people who are fans of the show like about it. Yep. That that's has, why that, I like it. That has a lot harder time, time translating in 2018 to new shows. Um, I've watched, I can see that. I've mm-hmm. watched all three episodes, or all three seasons of Fuller House, and they are really well, struggling no, to make that work. I think, so to... To Tom's credit, he's absolutely right. Okay, but to Anthony's credit, that's why I like to watch it. It's one of those mindless exercises, right? Where you can sit back, veg, you know exactly what you're in it for. You know exactly what's going to happen at the end. You're going to have the good feels and everything's going to be wrapped up with a bow by the end of the 30 minutes. And I am okay with that. Because sometimes I just need that shake off the ick of the real world and 
mindlessly tune into this family. That's just precious. And it makes me happy. <clears throat> but that's what it always has been for me. And that's what it will continue to be. Me too. And every time I hear that song, I always get so happy too. I love that song. As corny <laughs> yeah. as it is. <laughs> but okay. So, you know, let's move on to the, before we move on to the movie, um, does this episode pass the Linus test? <clears throat> Maybe very, very loosely with Mike Brady seeing Wonder and Santa, but overall, no, not for me. Well, I love the realization that I don't know if this is the Linus. Well, it is kind of the Linus test. So Cindy believing, believing this one thing will happen because she's been told it will happen and her faith never failing. And then her parents kind of getting on board saying, you know what, why were we stressing so much when, you know, we should have just enjoyed the fact that our daughter gave her one Christmas wish to be that her mom got her voice back. I think that passed this line of sense. I also think the talk Alice gave to the kids on Christmas Eve when they were all desolate and like, oh, we shouldn't have Christmas now. Mom's sick, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how much it means to their parents to spend holidays together, to make this family work, and to have the perfect mm-hmm. Christmas just with them all together. Like, that's the only thing that matters, whether or not they're sick. It's not whether she can sing or not. That past line, that was the line of this moment for me. That yeah, talk I made me that. angry. Why is that? We should have been encouraging these kids and their act, their willingness. Like there should have been much more praise of their willingness to sacrifice. You have these kids. Kids love Christmas. They love presents. They're willing to forego all of that for a while so that their mom can taste the enjoyment that they're tasting. You know, they said, let's postpone it. Let's postpone. I mean, Marcia said, let's postpone Christmas. As a mom, if you're not feeling well and your kids come to you and they say, mommy, we love you. We want to wait to celebrate Christmas until you can. What is that going to do for your heart? Granted, you can then tell them, hey, that's really sweet, but I think it's more important that we celebrate the way they want to. Sorry, those kids needed a lot more praise for what they did, and Alice, mm -mm. I see why your husband left you. Oh, don't. (laughs) Oh, okay. Don't go there. I'm just going to say now. Too far. (laughs) Alice was always my favorite on the show. She just made me laugh so much Mm -hmm. growing up. And we'll get to it in a minute. I... mm. One of the biggest problems of the movie is their treatment of Alice, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, uh, so just on its own, what would you score this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, Julia? I'm giving it a 7. And just as a reminder, people, we have a separate list that's just the TV specials. This is not going into our, our overall master list. Right. So, Julia, you're going with a 7? I am. Anthony? I'm going with a nine. Ooh, a 3.5. Oh. And this was the one I liked. <laughs> it, it's, it's okay, Tom. I feel like your feelings for these are how I felt about Pete's Christmas. So, <laughs> so what's that average score? 6.5, which puts it after Charlie Brown, the Grinch TV special, Santa Claus is coming to town, then Rudolph, then this. And then the, the other ones are just such a, there's just, just such a stark cliff. They're not even worth talking about. <laughs> Autumn turns to winter and then winter turns to spring. It's not just the seasons, you know it. 
Okay. So, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, in the original show's run in the 60, late 60s and early 70s, this was the only Christmas episode Brady Bunch did. After the show went off the air, they brought the cast back for the Brady Bunch Variety Hour for a few seasons. Then that dropped off. Then in the early 80s, they did their first TV reunion special, The Brady Girls Get Married, which is the highest watched movie that year. And that's, you know, it's explicit what that happened in that film by the title. Marsha and Jan got married in a double wedding. And that was so successful, they spun it off into a sitcom called The Brady Brides, which lasted a season. And then it was off the air for four years, roughly, until they are like, hey, The Brady Bunch is a big ratings draw, and we like our made-for-TV movies, so let's bring them back for a big holiday Christmas special in 1988, which was a very Brady Christmas. So, Julia, why don't you give us a plot synopsis? It's been years since Mike and Carol Brady have had the whole family home for Christmas, so they decide to spend the money to fly all the kids their spouses, and their own children home for the holidays so they can all spend it together. Unfortunately, now that the kids themselves have grown up, so have their problems, and each of the Brady children returns home harboring secrets they're determined to keep from the parents so as not to ruin their Christmas celebrations. (laughs) Tom looks itching to speak. So, Tom, why don't you give us your history, which you only just watched it, I know, but give us your history and your overall impression of this movie. That way... It's more than a sentence. I just watched this for the first time. It was beyond insufferable. The storyline, each individual storyline, annoyed me beyond measure. There was literally nothing in this film, save the Christmas tree, that I enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Julia, your turn. What do you think of this movie? Um... I won't go so far as to say I didn't like anything about the movie, but I will go so far as to say I didn't like 99% of the movie. Um, The one person I did like, I I liked quite a bit. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, I feel like they took everything that works for the Brady Bunch and they decided, no, that wasn't successful for the 50 years it was on television. Let's do something totally different and see what happens. And it was a fail. It was an absolute fail for me across the board. And I hadn't seen it prior to watching it two days ago. So first viewing and boy, it made me sad. I love this movie. (laughs) Gives me the Christmas feels. I would disagree with you that it took everything and thus threw out the window that made the Brady Bunch successful because I still feel like they took the mom and dad can solve everything with just a pep talk type approach to it, which the original show had, which I appreciate, which I appreciated. Yeah, no, I really like this movie. There are part, it's not perfect. I have problems with it, which we'll get to a few story points in particular, but we'll get to them. As we dive in. Just a question. When did you first see it? I saw it really young. So really? I, like, it's like I said at the end of last week's episode, I, there's definitely nostalgia there. And I would assume that yeah, if that is there for anyone who saw who likes this movie. So there's this blog out there called My, My Wife Made Me Watch. And it's a husband who live blogs different movies his wife made him watch. And... Um, 
he live vlogged this, but his final thoughts on it were, I would have eaten this show up as a seven-year-old because I loved the Brady Bunch as a child. However, watching it as a cynical 30-year-old made it hard to get through, which I think, yeah, I would probably agree with that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. If this hadn't been my first watching, I might've had some warm feelings still inside for it, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid those warm feelings would have been lost upon viewing it as an adult <laughs> for the podcast. So I just, mm. so for our listeners, this movie takes place 20 years after Mike and Carol first got married, brought the family together. All the kids are in the house and dealing with their own stuff. Most of them have half of them have and kids of their own and three of them are single and dealing with a bunch of various other things and Alice is still their friend she still lives in the neighborhood I guess but she's no longer their housekeeper which you wouldn't know watching this movie but (laughs) (laughs) oh no yes you would there was that one scene where Carol said she that she learned how to do all the things Alice did like make (laughs) breakfast We'll get Alice because I want to. I want to talk about this basically just going through like because each couple or kid has their problem. So I just want to take it like that. Before we dive into that, one of you said you wanted to talk about the house for a minute because this is twenty years later. So the house has under it's still the same structure, but they completely redid, remodeled the inside. They completely (laughs) remodeled the inside. And they, sucked every bit of warmth out of this house. And and they in the process they lost taste. <laughs> and they it dated it further. It's more dated in this nineteen eighty eight special than it was in the nineteen sixties show. 100%. And the nineteen sixties show had orange paneling in the kitchen and and stone and wood and carpeted, you know, uh, floating stairs. I mean, it was dated in the 60s, but the way it is in the 80s is just ghastly. It is offensive to look at. It's that gray tote. I liked the house and in cream the tome. Oh, gosh. With it looked like a reject from my, like, like yeah. It, it looks like somebody trying to make a house look relevant in, it, in it's a not, Miami retirement community. But they are retired. That's but, not a compliment. Uh, the house was just, it was tastefully done in the 60s. It and was. the house is a character in and of itself. I'm so surprised that they did that. I really was surprised that they updated the house. I get updating their outfits and the hair and all of that stuff. But I'm really surprised they updated the house. You don't think in a 1988 movie, the orange shag carpeting wouldn't have looked dated? Well, so change the carpeting, but don't change like the bones of the house. I was just, I really was very surprised. So very yeah. surprised they touched the house. And it's not like, I mean, if this would have been a little earlier, it would have been modern, you know, it would have been a modern forward thinking design. But by 88, this was already on its way out. This was not a cool style. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like didn't mind the updated I was just, design of the house. I was just waiting for B. Arthur to come strolling through or something <laughs> talk about talk about different different family tones <laughs> they'd make funny neighbors yeah they would make funny neighbors and let me tell you another thing that mic has not aged well has not aged well well the actor was suffering from aids at the time oh well still i just... he uh we ended up killing him a few years later he was a closeted homosexual how did i miss all of that mm-hmm. 
I knew none of that. So he was married to a woman and had kids. It was just a part of his life he kept very private. And uh, Oh, yeah. that's so sad. Until mm-hmm. the age. I thought it was just the smoking. Honestly, when he looked aged like that, I was like, oh boy, it was a heavy smoker, I bet. Because he sounds like it too. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. yeah. He was kind of I bad mean, for saying he didn't age. Um, not to make, well, I guess it's an inappropriate, inappropriate joke, but I'll cut it out. Last year when Florence <laughs> Henderson died, you could have tic-tac-toe now with the three of them in the middle on the square board. Who? Was <laughs> Alice in the middle? Alice was... Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I love I love them. I love the show. If you had cutting that out, if you had that out, I am posting it online. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. How do, we, how do we recover from that? <laughs> I don't know how to recover from that. We were just talking about the house, right? Okay. <laughs> so this movie opened up, I guess, near Christmas because Mike and Carol were trying to figure out what to get each other for. Well, they knew what they were getting each other for Christmas. And the plan was he would wanted to book a trip to Japan for the two of them with their savings account money. She wanted to book a trip to Greece. Misunderstanding where they both were going to book a trip and the savings account. Anyway, they decide with the help of Alice that instead of going away for Christmas, it's been a long time since the whole family spent Christmas together. So they would fly them all home and have one big Brady Bunch Christmas. And that's the gist. Half of Mike and Carol's storyline. The other half I want to talk to at the end about at the end, but... That's the first half of their storyline. So it didn't seem true to me that they would not have gotten together as a family for that long. See, that rang true to me because I have a lot of cousins and it's almost impossible to get everyone together at Christmas just because everyone's on different schedules with their in-laws and yeah. everything like that. I don't know if it seemed closer than that. Yeah. I mean, the focus of the show was how tight-knit the family was. Mm-hmm. So for that to just dissolve was surprising to me. Me too. I mean, I get why they had to do it for the show. I guess it works for the premise of of a show of this nature or a Christmas special of this nature. But yeah, I it didn't feel as authentic I, like it could. Sorry. No, it's okay. It just rang true like to me, to though, because, because big families do have trouble a lot of the time getting together with in-laws mm-hmm. in the mix. Maybe it didn't make sense for me that Peter, Bobby, and Cindy, since they're single, hadn't been home in a while. I can understand maybe Greg and Marsha and Jan, since they were married, have other families to spend the time with as well and on a rotating schedule and not necessarily being on the same rotation. I can see that. I want to talk about Alice real quick. So this is one of my problems with the movie because Alice was my favorite character on the original show. She's just so funny and she's the heart of the show. And okay, so... Sometime between when the series ended and this movie, Alice married her on-again, off-again boyfriend of the show, Sam the Butcher. Mm-hmm. And apparently, at the start of this movie, off-screen, Sam the Butcher left her for a younger woman. And she shows up one night on Mike and Carol's doorstep in tears over that fact. 
and they let her stay. But the minute she's back in their house, they treat her like the indentured servant that she was in the original 60s programming. She's cooking their breakfast. She's picking the kids up from the airports. Maid uniform. She's again. wearing her maid uniform, and at the Christmas dinner at the end, they don't even have a seat set for her. Yeah, that bothered me. <laughs> yeah, no love. That's how you treat no the. Help. That's how you treat the help. Did not like that part. Didn't like any part of her storyline. Not because of her, because of I, everything else around her. Sam the butcher sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> bad name. Bad, bad name choice. <laughs> Um, I'll say for the actress who plays her, Anne B. Davis, I felt comparing, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the cast, she slipped into her role very easily compared to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, Florence Henderson and Robert Reed just did not have that chemistry that they had before. They just didn't. the The the, the characters didn't mesh well. It was awkward. It didn't have. I don't. It just didn't feel genuine. But I will. I will agree with you. Alice jumped right back into it and became Alice. Yeah, there were vast amounts of uncomfortable kissing in this movie and double on top that I don't need, that I don't need, like ever don't need. Like when, oh, like right at the beginning when Mike and Carol mentioned staying home and, and that they have business together here, take care of some business together here, honey. Oh. Did you guys see the new oh. Roseanne so, yet? Yeah. It's freaking hilarious. Yeah, I love it. I was really grossed out by that in there as well. By what? Oh, I hadn't seen any of that. I've seen like half of an episode. In the opening scene of the opening episode, they're in bed and Dan like takes an extra hit off of his CPAP machine for whatever reason and gets all going at her energy before attacking Roseanne Barr. Oh yes, I almost stopped. I almost stopped watching at the first scene. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, I will admit though. Mike and Carol, yes, you were right. Totally a lot of inappropriate double entendres and kissing oh. between the two of them. Well, well, the Brady's, don't, no, the Brady's no, no. don't, the Brady Bunch does not need that. I, I, it took me a moment though, because I, I had seen the spoof movies more recently to the TV show, mm-hmm. and they were very double entendre without being all over each other in that film. So I was like, I'm pretty sure she's made suggested comments in before, and then I realized I was thinking of the movie. But yeah, no, I agree. Like that was something that was not on the original show. They were not Gomez and Morticia Adams or Lillian mm-hmm. Herman who had mm-hmm. the sexual chemistry. Um, their even their history, even their their sexual chemistry did not seem as disturbing to me as. Florence Henderson and Robert Reed. Well, they were also in their early seventies. They were also the Brady Bunch parents who just did not have sex. Well, I'm glad to see they're still. I'm glad to see they were still in love. (laughs) Um, okay. So, like we mentioned, all the kids are coming home with their own problems. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, why don't you explain to our listeners what Greg's problem is? Because you seem to have intimate, intimate, you had strong opinions about this. Um, before you do, though, Greg is married to a woman named Nora. They're both doctors, or he's a doctor, she's a nurse, and they have a son named Kevin, who, in the spinoff series that came out of this, was played by JTT in the early 90s, no before way. Home Improvement. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, Greg's wife is a horrible human being. 
Nora wants to spend Christmas with her family like she does every year because she's obviously an entitled you-know-what. But Greg's like, hey, my whole family's getting together. I'm a doctor. You're a nurse. We're successful, but my parents are going to pay for us to come home for some weird reason. Uh, And she's like, no, I'm not going to. And you know what? I'm so selfish. I don't even want to be with my own son. You can take him with it to your parents, and I'm still going to go my time with my parents because that's what kind of mom slash wife I am. In Nora's defense, I disagree with – I disagree with what their arrangement there, but it's not like she wasn't going to see any relative she hadn't seen in years either. Her Aunt Francine or Aunt Francis or whatever was going to be there whom she hadn't seen in years. But no, I agree with you. It was to me like they, she had, they had spent about the last five Christmases with her family mm-hmm. and she couldn't fly back to spend one with his family yeah that mm-hmm. rubbed me the wrong way it did Selfish. i found it really awful and unbelievable i can't think of i don't have any friends i know that would be okay with splitting up and you know here you go you take the kiddo i'm gonna go hang out with my wife my parents instead mm-hmm. yep that's quality parenting right there guys i'll say this for greg he grew a good mustache in the past 20 years oh, his mustache made me uncomfortable <laughs> He really did. I don't know what it was about. Those 80s mustaches are tenuous, let me tell you. They're either real good or they're just horribly wrong, and there's no in-between. I will also give Greg credit because we'll talk about the dinner scene after we run through all the kids, but he didn't try to hide his quote-unquote problem from his parents the whole time like the other <laughs> There He couldn't hide it. His wife wasn't there. <laughs> no, that's true. He's cooking with the kids and <laughs> she wasn't there. <laughs> So, Julia, do you want to run the inappropriate kissing count as we go along? Because there was some inappropriate Greg making out with his wife kissing in the hospital as well. Yeah, so Mike and Carol, inappropriate kissing in the kitchen at the very beginning. Greg and Nora, inappropriate kissing when he tells that old candy striper that walks in saying he's teaching this young nurse mouth-to-mouth <laughs> resuscitation. Oh, it's like the women's movement never happened. I just can't. <laughs> Ugh, so we're at two. And so far, they, Alice is the only one that's escaped the inappropriate, uncomfortable kissing. I, and so I think it's, we have to mention as well that when Greg and Nora are having this talk, whether or not to go home for Christmas to the Brady's, they are having it in the delivery room when this woman is about to give birth to her second or third child. And the husband with his video camera keeps interjecting to give his opinion instead of paying attention mm. to his wife. <laughs> I don't think I would be very happy if my wife was the one giving birth and the doctor was arguing with the nurse about where to spend Christmas. <laughs> I just don't need to see people making out on the Brady Bunch. Any of them. Mm-mm. No, I don't want to see any of them kissing anything else. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the actor who played Greg's became more behind-the-scenes gossip. Ended up making out with Marsha, Jan, and Mrs. Brady during the original shooting of the show. Who did? What? The actor played Greg. Yeah. He made out with Lawrence Henderson. He took her on a date. And he said he says in interviews that like she just humored him because, you know, he was teenage high school boy, so she let him take him out to dinner, but she gave him a little I don't know. She said she pecked him at least on the lips at the end of the night. But woefully inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, him and Marsha had the hops for each other that they had to keep them away from each other between takes on the set because they were afraid the chemistry would start seeping into the show, which is why they made fun of that in one of the spoof movies where Greg and Marsha seemed <laughs> very into one another. I think they could have, should have just let them go at it. I mean, <laughs> name one show, show that you know of from the 60s that had incest. Exactly. <laughs> this could have been the Game of Thrones. <laughs> so Greg's not the only one with problems. Marsha is too. She's married to a man named Wally and they have two kids, Jessica and Mickey. Mm-hmm. And uh, Julia, do you want to go over that? The problem yeah, with so Marsha's a stay-at-home mom and she looks delightful in her jumper with her teeny tiny little waist. Um, Wally works for a toy company. Well, he comes home with a, he comes home with his box of stuff in his arms, comes through the door and she's like, how was your day, honey? And he's like, well, not the best, honey. And it takes her like five lines of dialogue to realize, dude, he'd just been laid off. He's got a box of junk in his arms. He's not having a good day. So he gets laid off from his toy company job where he's a great salesman and, um, he's down in the dump. She's positive because she's always positive, which I like that about her. I like that her character was consistent there. Um, <clears throat> and so that's where they are. I don't remember any uh, uncomfortable kiss with them, but I'm sure it was there. They made out at the dinner table. Oh, that's right. I remember. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that back. This, we're at three. We're at three counts of, of uncomfortable kissing. So I'll give credit again to the people behind this movie. So it's the same actor who played her husband in the early 80s when they got married in the reunion movie and on that short-lived TV show. So they brought him back with the original cast for continuity sake. Um, but yeah, her husband's kind of a loser in the wider Brady Bunch world because he consistently loses jobs all the time. She's kind of married to a deadbeat. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, that explains why. I didn't uh, get that sense. I got the mopey sense. I didn't uh, constantly losing job sense from him. Well, that explains and, why they didn't have any sort of savings or anything when he got fired and they were so worried about it. Yeah. And the actor who plays him, Jerry Hauser, he has a Christmas connection to an animated film from the 90s called uh, Annabelle's Christmas Wish. Um, he does the voices of one of the animals in there. So, is it that creepy doll that comes to life and murders you in your sleep? <laughs> different, oh, different, a- Annabelle. D- different Annabelle. Oh. <laughs> um, so, I didn't really have a problem with Marsha or Wally. I had a problem with their insufferable son. <laughs> Who got both, on my nerves? Both of their kids annoyed me. What annoyed you about the girl, Jessica? The fact that she kept engaging with the, her brother. <laughs> she, kept, she kept giving him a reason to give to talk. <laughs> and the brother seemed like he was a bully to cousin Kevin because he when he came in, when he came into the house he said I forget what the phrase was he said where's the so and so and Kevin is hiding behind Carol Brady at that point when he sees him so I don't know what's going on there but <laughs> hmm. He's a troublemaker, the kid. So, uh, Before we move on from Marsha and Wally, though, I will say out of all the original kids, I think Marsha aged the best. She looked yeah. the most like herself for the original show, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep, she did. I agree. And I liked, I mean, it was silly and all of that, but it's supposed to be, but I liked Wally's resolution, right? How 
Mike Brady actually knew because the kid dropped the hint that he lost his job, like basically right away because kids can't keep their mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And he made that connection with his neighbor across the street. I liked that. Yeah, I liked that too. It was one of the better resolutions. Definitely definitely (laughs) better than Bobby's, but we'll get to Bobby's. Because there's nothing like a Christmas resolution. So then we have Peter. Peter, unlike his two older siblings, is not married. He has no kids. But he is dating his boss, Valerie, secretly, I guess, at the company anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess they've been together for a while because he's been weighing, proposing to her, but he's, and she's, he's insecure about him working beneath her and her making more money than him. And then Valerie's kind of like, well, when's he going to propose? Like, you know, am I wasting my time here? So... I guess that's not really a secret between the two of them because she talks about it with his sisters and he talks about it with his brothers and his mother, but that's what's plaguing him, the mm-hmm. special. Vast amounts of, of, of make me feel icky kissing. Did they? I don't even remember them oh, kissing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. After the whole, I'm the boss nine to five, you're the boss. Oh, right. What did she say? Eight to nine? <laughs> God, that was disgusting. Yeah, I'm the boss, nine yeah. to five, from five to nine, you are. That's what, uh, yeah. So. A lot of. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Jen and her husband, Philip. And again, good on the show for, or the movie producers or whoever for bringing back the same actor who played him when she got married a few years earlier. Basically, they're having marriage troubles and are in the middle of a separation. And then when they're invited home for Christmas, she forces him to come home so as not to ruin her family's Christmas. And he comes home and they work things out. Isn't it great how that happens? I mean, it's just so amazing. (laughs) You're on the verge of divorce, but you go to your in-law's house and you suddenly feel like everything's going to be okay. I do love, and I kind of wonder if this was on purpose, that literally... Carol Brady says like what three words good morning or time to get up and her saying those three words leads to them resolving the issue I think that was intentional right it had yeah I think okay. it had it had to be I'll say yeah. this though it was very creepy she says that they have their little spat in front of her work things out and then she's like you two can be late for breakfast and leaves oh. the room for them to have like a morning quickie we assume yeah it was thing. <laughs> What's thing I can do without? If, let's just say, hypothetically, that were going to happen anyway, I would assume that killed the moment. Yes. You would, yes. hope, you would right. hope that would kill the moment. I'd be like, uh, I don't need to be late. Basically saying, hey, <laughs> basically saying, hey get you some. Um, I'll say one thing I liked about that scene, and it was before Carol came in, I guess. It was on Philip, the name of her husband woke up and realized he was covered by a blanket and it was just something he had never noticed she did for him all these years. Like, What an idiot. One, what an idiot that he doesn't recognize that over all that many years. And two, she's not a delight to be around. Both of them were just dumb. And like, I don't know. I, I, I lapsed into that dumb people don't deserve happiness in their lives to a certain point when I'm watching something that I'm really not happy with. I get kind of angry. And I felt like that at that moment. I'm like, I'm done done with these two idiots who don't see clear signs in front of their faces it's obviously the blanket fairy julia come on (laughs) (laughs) that's not a thing but that should be a thing guys 
blanket fairies? We need blanket fairies. So, so, so Julie, as a fan of the original show, I think that was the only room I couldn't figure out what room that was in the original house that they were sleeping in. Did you know? Yeah, I, I have so no idea. they turned one of the boys' bedrooms or the girls' bedrooms into like an mm. office space. I don't know. I could see that. But I recognize, yeah, obviously, the den mm-hmm. and the other mm-hmm. rooms. But Okay, so in mm. my other least favorite plot line besides Alice, we have Bobby Brady, the youngest boy, who is supposed to be, <laughs> is supposed to be in business school. But he's dropped out and is now, and is now racing cars. And somehow he's been doing this for a while without his parents realizing. So he comes home afraid to tell him he has no books or whatever, and they call him out on it. They're like, "Oh, you not one book home to study?" And he's like, "Whatever." <laughs> so if you're gonna have a kid drop out of, I don't know. I think they could have picked something a little more realistic than racing cars if he was gonna drop out of school and be doing something else. But. It's just them wanting to remind people. Remember how he's the youngest boy. Remember that. Remember how he's like the kid. Like what they did with Cindy's ditziness and sitting at the kids' table is what they did with Bobby and racing cars. I want to remind you, it's the youngest, most immature children of all the Bradys, remember? So, since you mentioned Cindy, we'll talk about her now, too. We'll just lump them together. Cindy, the youngest girl, is in college still. She's still in college. And she was supposed to go away for Christmas with her friends on a ski trip. And she already had the plans booked and everything. We're led to believe. And then Mike and Carol call and say basically don't even give her a chance to say yes or no they're like you're gonna come home for christmas and she just acquiesces and when she gets home basically the whole thing is she's still treated like the youngest she's still treated like a kid they sat her at the kids table which Mm. absurd you have all of these you have all of these beds lying around you're pulling out 57 beds out of the closet and putting them throughout the house but you don't have an extra chair (laughs) adult table or a, a leaf or something some way to have her no nope nope so all the so all the beds around the house made sense to me because they did grow up with seven other people in the house but no i agree they couldn't find one extra chair um crazy i did like that she doesn't have curls anymore Mm -hmm. and i liked the joke greg tried to make with her no curls and she got offended like greg i haven't worn curls in 12 years and it just he was just like i know like it was just one of those awkward moments i've had awkward jokes like that with my sister (laughs) but yeah so all the kids are harboring all these problems and secrets and grudges and then at the dinner table christmas dinner table they all come out one by one by one and they start confessing them all to the whole family and nora comes in the house she decided to show for christmas after all because she saw her aunt francis and then decided i can't be away from my husband and kid after she already sent them halfway across the country and yeah it wasn't i'm a total idiot it's a Oh, I missed you guys, and I already got to see Aunt Francis, so I got that out of the way. So I decided to come and join the rest of my family unit. While while he admits he lost his job, and you know, if he hadn't kept it a secret, if he, you know, he might not have gotten the new job if he uh, if Mickey didn't blab. Basically, he realized I shouldn't have kept a secret. I should have been honest with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, we already said Janet Philip reconcile after Mrs. Brady walks in on them. Peter, Peter and Valerie. 
Peter and Valerie propose to one another at the same time, at the count of two. Mm -hmm. Bobby admits he's racing cars. And this was the resolution to this. One moment of, we don't approve. And then it's kind of like, well, I didn't do everything my parents always said. Did you? And then they, I, okay. If I had told my family that at a Christmas dinner, <laughs> I could tell you it would not have been over in 20 seconds. <laughs> no, you can't do this, but I'm going to do it. Okay. So... I, like I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, this spun off into a new series, and in the first episode of that new series, Bobby dies. Bobby gets into a car accident, and gets paralyzed. Oh snap! For real? He gets paralyzed. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's not a joke. That dark fast. So, uh, yeah. bad choices, Bobby. Bad choices. Bad choices. It's what happens when you don't listen to your parents, kids? You don't listen to your parents. You, be, you get paralyzed. Uh, Mike and Carol apologize to Cindy for treating her like a child and offer her a seat at the adult's table, and she doesn't take it. She disappoints all of us, and she says, no, we actually have a game going on right here, basically validating every single way they have all treated her ever in the history of ever. Thanks a lot, Cindy. So everyone's hunky-dory and all happy, and this is where the movie took a really weird turn. <laughs> Real weird. <laughs> really real weird. Weird turn. If so, I didn't hate it yet. So basically, at the beginning of the film, before everyone came home for Christmas, Carol Brady works as a real estate agent now. She got her husband, who's an architect, to look at this building for this guy named Mr. Roberts, hopefully to get him a job. Uh, Mike Brady isn't happy they're cutting corners on this building project, and basically the whole thing falls apart. Christmas Eve, when they're cutting the turkey, or Christmas Day, rather, whatever day it is, he gets a phone call from Mr. Roberts. This, the building partially collapsed, and there are people stuck inside, and they want Mike Brady's architectural expertise on the scene <laughs> to hopefully rescue them, help rescue them. Because yes, because never- the architect is the first call I would make <laughs> when we have a collapsed building. <laughs> so he's responsible for saving their lives, not the police. Don't call the fire department. Not the Army Corps of Engineers. Get that architect that was fired weeks back on the line. So, so Mike goes to the site, and he says, "You know, if you start trenching on the other side of the building, it could loosen the support and shift it enough for them to get out." So when the sky, Mr. Roberts, goes to do that, Mike decides to walk into the building, and there's another collapse, and he gets trapped. And then we cut to the whole family and a group of protests, uh, not protesters, a group of just onlookers standing outside. Original two construction workers come out fine, but Mike is still trapped. And then there's a flashback to the original Brady Bunch Christmas episode. <laughs> with Mrs. with uh, Cindy asking Santa for her mom's voice back, and Mrs. Brady singing at services, and um, back at the back at the present, Mrs. Brady says, "Oh, Cindy, big girls can have wishes too," and <laughs> that gets her so emotional. <laughs> she starts singing. <laughs> she starts singing that same song, "Oh, Come All You Faithful," again, which arouses the entire crowd, not just the Brady family, to start singing. Because there's nothing like being at the site of a collapsed building and 
singing Christmas carols. We cut to a shot of Mike inside, trapped under a bunch of steel. There's no way he'd be able to move or navigate through. (laughs) Uh, And the singing is loud enough he hears. Cut back outside. They're still singing. And then we see Mike emerge completely fine, except for some dust on him. Everyone runs to hug him. So, so he comes out, they hug, he's fine, yay! And then they take a really cheap shot at Christmas Fields by saying, hey, this happened on 34th Street. Another miracle on 34th Street. Oh. And they're all happy, and he's okay. And so this whole plot was just bizarre. Because this took such a weird left turn from Christmas dinner. <laughs> You could tell that building was blatantly a set on a soundstage because when they raised the camera too high, you could see right past it and couldn't see that was actually building. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's all I could catch. It was like, oh my god, I don't know. It just was very, very bizarre. What did you think of this? Well, yeah, I felt like they stepped back from all of the family evaluation, and there's like, do we have any action in this movie? Besides what's happening in multiple bedrooms at the request of the mother? I don't think so. Let's collapse a building. It seemed very second thought. And I I know we haven't talked about it yet, but I don't get Christmas feels from this movie. Mm -mm. So it almost sounds like, I almost feel like they felt like they needed to throw a little Christmas throwback to the one Christmas episode with her singing and try and create Christmas atmosphere. It's a fail, at, it's a fail at, evoking, at evoking sentimentality. Yeah. I don't think it was necessary at all. Like, at all. So, the Bradys go home. There's a, the doorbell rings. And I want to shoot myself and, in the face. And Alice gets up. You have a second nature to the ha- old housekeeper. Go answer the door. Just like she answered the phone and Mr. Roberts calls. No, don't get up. I'll get the phone. I'll get the door. She opens the door and Santa's there. And he has a gift for Alice. And it's actually Sam the Butcher. And he says, can you ever forgive me? And she does. Well, she does, of course. She doesn't even, she doesn't even, she doesn't even, <laughs> like, take a breath in between trying to figure out if she should or not. Or try to figure out, you know, um, are you really coming back to me or did she just leave you? She decided you weren't good enough for her, so I'm your silver medal. This really did it for me. I mean, this did it. This was like, no, there's no coming back from that. And this is why I made the joke earlier that she had it coming. As a character that should have been developed more, I get it. She was pre, you know, the uh, the feminist movement of the 60s. But come on. Surely Alice would have, I mean, was, was surrounded by all these people who supposedly care about her. Surely she has some yeah, none of them speak semblance up. of self-worth. Uh, and I'm pretty sure there was an episode in the original series where they thought Sam was cheating on her and they get yeah. angry with it. They get like legit angry with him. Even yes. though it was just a misunderstanding. But here yes. he actually did. And they just say, Merry Christmas and have a rousing Christmas carol around the tree as we pan out of the house. I Which is what everybody does at Christmas. I mean... How many times have you sat around your Christmas tree with all extended family and just start, God, it's awful. <laughs> just awful. This Sam bit was just, it was too much. They should have just left it, not addressed Sam again, and just left it. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I don't, I, We're brought in I a, think it's that compulsion to tie it, 
It's, it's all, it's all, well, right. It's almost like, oh, we never gave Alice resolution. We have literally 90 seconds left in our time slot. Because that's, I timed it. From the moment we get back from the collapse site to the end of the movie, it is 90 seconds. So 90 seconds. They're finishing Christmas dinner. Sam arrives at the door, asks Alice to take it back. She says yes. They break into a Christmas carol. Oh and my gosh! I didn't think about this while it was while it was happening, but are we supposed to believe they just left Christmas dinner cooking when they all went to this collapse site? No, they'd mention reheating it. Oh, okay. Yeah, when they eat it, they say that was the best reheated Christmas dinner we've ever had, or something like that. Just think so, about yeah. think about this logically. Let's just let's just let I'm gonna break <laughs> this down a bit. <laughs> think about how long it takes. You're in your house. You suddenly turn off and stop all of the cooking. You get 37 people across town to a collapsed building. <laughs> One of them gets trapped. You have time for somebody to start randomly singing, Oh, come all you faithful, as people are impendingly are, are, are facing imminent death. <laughs> you magically get out of this situation. Everybody goes back. We, t- we then reheat all the food. Sit down and have a wonderful family dinner. This is going to take a little bit longer than they're expecting, than they're giving me to believe. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know why it was Sam the Butcher. Why didn't uh, 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 Fred the Florist come and profess his undying love for Alice? I guess a recurring character in the show. I know, but at this point, we all hate him and we're we're glad he's gone. Yeah, (laughs) they're just bringing. They just needed a way to bring him back to bring him back or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I found it pedantic. Yeah. I really hate oh, I'm sorry to quote family. This was shallow and pedantic. So I liked the Christmas tree in this one. Mm-hmm. That I like the tree. Me too. It, and even, I, with, even without the tinsel. I did like that there was hardly any tinsel on that. <laughs> oh, but I, that actually, made, I was wondering this when I was watching it. Did you guys ever do the whole popcorn, stringed popcorn on the trees? Mm-mm. I have. Oh, really? Oh. That's cool. I've never done I love that. that. It's fun. It's surprisingly <laughs> fun. Um, and it's a lot quicker than you would think. Hmm. So what I did find scene- odd, as you're looking at the tree, both trees in this, you notice there weren't, there weren't handmade ornaments. I mean, you have all these kids in the house and none of them made Christmas ornaments for the tree. They reference a handmade ornament, though. And but I was going to say, come I, on, if you have that many kids, do you have one handmade ornament. My mom puts out less handmade ornaments as the years go by when she's trying to class up her tree. She still has them all. <laughs> But, uh, but even when they were kids, when they were kids, they went out. They had yeah, all, those, no. they it, had all the, the fragile ornaments. I, I did notice that in the past, yeah. That's interesting. I, just, I don't know. I didn't find, like, the, the tree, while the tree was, itself was pretty, it didn't feel special. Like, my tree, mm-hmm. if you look at our ornaments and you look at stuff, there's, and I saw your tree, Anthony, and Julie, I've seen pictures of your tree. Y'all's trees have, like, elements of yourself. They're just not a couple boxes of store-bought ornaments. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I did like the back and the background dialogue when they're decorating the tree. It's kind of, you can't really hear what anyone's saying. You can just hear snippets of conversation because the mm-hmm. score is playing where uh, Greg has a line. Like if I find that handmade clown you made, Peter, I'm going to burn that thing. Mm-hmm. And then two seconds later you hear Wally say, Hey, who put this clown back here? Mm-hmm. And that was so, funny. I oh, that, that. that was funny, but we didn't, yeah, we didn't actually see. That actually reminded me of my brother-in-law because he has this really ugly brown bell he made at some point in his childhood <laughs> that, that 
he always specifically puts at the forefront of the tree every year they decorate and it's just glaring at the front of this tree and it that's annoys. awesome yeah <laughs> but yeah he's proud of that bell he's proud of that bell <clears throat> so i'm going to share my favorite moment mm-hmm. of the entire movie was when um the kids start to trickle down in the middle of the night to nurse their problems over pie. Mm-hmm. I liked that very much. I was going to bring that very, up too. very much. Yeah, that's the one scene that I really enjoy in this movie. I like because we've. I feel like when I've gone to my grandma's house in Arkansas for um, Christmas, we always end up at the table late at night eating sweets, not mm-hmm. like nursing our problems, but connecting and talking and chatting. And I, I really liked that part. That felt like, like original Brady Bunch to me. I like that too. And I like I how I, I liked how it I just like the transition from them all downstairs, wide awake, unable to sleep, nursing their problems, and the parents upstairs fast asleep, just mm-hmm. no idea that their kids are so troubled. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. I, actually, my favorite parts of the movie are all the middle of the night stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like I, I said this off mic earlier but i liked wally's rant about his anxiety because i have bad anxiety and at night when i can't sleep i tumble down some very weird rabbit holes as i'm thinking about what's worrying me so when so when he just goes on this rant when i worry i get nervous when i get nervous i start grinding my teeth when i start grinding my teeth i start thinking about the dentist and i hate the dentist and i start thinking about the bills that'll pile up like I've been there. I can relate to that. It was very relatable to me. I like where he came around on that, where it's finally like, and I can't pay for it because I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, that, was, that was funny. Yeah. Um, um, so as a side I, question, since we were, mm-hmm. since we were talking uh, the, the late night snacking, what, do you, what, what is the late night snack? I'm assuming, do you guys eat lunch or, or like a Christmas lunch, two-ish? Yeah. Family has Christmas dinner? Mid-afternoon. Supper and dinner in Arkansas. Do you know the difference? No. Dinner is lunch and supper is dinner. Whoa. Well, that's like in England. They call lunch dinner and then dinner tea. Oh. Their dinners are... So you got to get your vernacular right in Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your... So we would always eat my mom's chocolate candy. She makes this chocolate candy with peanuts and raisins. It's delicious. And then pumpkin pie. Or German chocolate cake. I am not picky when it comes to my sweets in the middle of the night. If I have a, if I, uh, <laughs> I'll just go for whatever's in the fridge. I'm not a big sweet person. For me, every year or every Christmas and Thanksgiving, it's, I buy if we don't have if we don't have white rolls, it's the only time of year I buy like a loaf of just white bread, and I have turkey, mm-hmm. and I have to have American cheese again. The only time of the year I eat American cheese. <laughs> With mayonnaise, and uh, I don't ever buy white bread or American cheese, but for some reason, I have to have that with my with my cold turkey on a Thanksgiving Christmas night. <laughs> Do you put the flavor booster in the middle? The flavor, bread, the, mo- so the moist maker, the moist no. maker, <laughs> the flavor booster, the okay. moist maker. That is one of my favorite <laughs> episodes. It's such a great episode. when he. I am that I relate to Ross so much in that episode when he <laughs> loses it. You, you ate my sandwich, and he just well, not all of it. It was too big. I had to throw half of it away. <laughs> <laughs> my sandwich, my sandwich. 
what was it? It was like a. It was just like a. Uh, you see all a, the pigeons in Central Park just go flying up. <laughs> it was just like a gravy, gravy over Thanksgiving bread, right? That's the moist maker, the gravy bread. Gravy soaked bread. Oh, that's so yes. gross. Middle, yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> anyway, so the middle of the night stuff. Like I said, I really liked. I liked the when the kids are looking for the bathroom and he sent them into the wrong room on purpose just to annoy his sister and his girlfriend. That seemed like a very sibling-y thing to me. And my favorite part of the movie, and I think this is the moment where it passes the line, this test in my opinion, is before all the confessions starting confessions started coming out at dinner. I liked Mike's speech about how they came together as a family 20 years ago, how this Christmas is so special to the parents having seeing how their family grew and how they're all back. And how he knows it was more difficult for some of them to come back than others, but they made it. And, you know, as long as they have each other and their faith and everything, they can get through mm-hmm. anything. I really liked that moment before Wally interrupted it. But yeah, no, I think for me in that moment, that's when the movie passes the Linus test. That's the one Linus moment in the movie. I could see that. It's not as strong as I'd like, but... Meh. On a, on a continuum, I would put it definitely close to the left side as, as of Linus testy passiness. So, and I said this at the beginning as well in my in when we were talking about our histories of the film. I know it was hokey how quickly all their problems were solved, just with little pep talks from mom and dad, but that felt vintage Brady Bunch for me, even though the problems necessarily worked, obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just straight up uh, uh, sitcom. Right. I know this was one of the early ones to set that stage, but we knew we, if they didn't wrap everything up on this episode, we, nobody would have been happy. Even people who hated it would have been even more angry. Yeah. Well, this isn't an episode. This one will be on or the movie list because it's a movie. It's a, they sell it as a standalone on Amazon and everything, a DVD. CBS builds it as a movie. Real quick, because this spun off into a series, like I said. I'm just going to, for people like Julia, who were fans of the original show, tell you where they all ended up in the series, which is only six episodes long, by the way. And not because of audiences liked it, but because it was two hours every Sunday night. The first hour did bad, but the second hour was top of its ratings, and they never moved it in time, so it got canceled. Hmm. But anyway, so Bobby ends up paralyzed because he's, a he's racing cars. Cindy works at a radio station and is sleeping with her much older boss who has kids of his own. Jan and Philip can't have babies. So they adopt this little Filipino girl. Peter is just a womanizer. He's like a different girlfriend in every episode. Him and Valerie are not to, Oh, he breaks up with Valerie because when Bobby gets into his accident, she's so busy with work. She won't come with him to the hospital. So he breaks up with her on the spot as I would too. At that point, <clears throat> Marsha is an alcoholic and Wally can't keep a job, so they move back in with Mike and Carol. Greg has a perfect life. He has no problems going on with him. Him and Nora are fine. JTT is playing their kid in the series. That's so funny. And uh, Mike runs I, for mayor and or city council and wins. And if they had continued the show, they wanted to kill him off because the actor is insufferable. So <laughs> they're going to have him on a helicopter that would crash and he'd perish in the crash. That's brutal. But, I do recommend because the theme song for this show, it keeps the same melody as the original, but it's different. And it's so freaking 90s. And it's, it's, so, it's so 
bad. I like I have to send it to you once you're off on Slack because it's worth watching. <laughs> the lyrics are so bad. But anyway. What was that terrible speaking of spinoff or things that come out of this? What was that unbelievably terrible show on VH1 with Christopher Knight? Do you remember that? I feel like Christopher Knight was on a few things. Oh, it was awful. There was like an episode. The only thing I saw it once and they brought like Florence Henderson and some other characters back because he was in love with this girl and going to marry her. It was a reality TV show, but she <laughs> didn't accept his his Brady Bunch family or something stupid like that. <laughs> I don't know, but I want to look that up later. <laughs> um, I just remember it being awful. Final thoughts on this film? Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. It was just too different from the show for me. So, I won't be rewatching it. I think I said all I need to say. I loved it. All flaws and all, but again, I admit that's probably a large part due to nostalgia. And I go back to that one blog post I found where the guy was like, as a seven-year-old, because I liked the Brady Bunch, I probably would enjoy this a lot more. As a 30-year-old watching it for the first time, I'm more cynical and can't get as enjoyment from it. And I think that's probably would be the case just for everyone. You either saw it when you were young and like it for that or not. So... I will point out the irony that this is the second time we've done two specials in one episode. And <laughs> I hosted the last one as well. And it was another one that I really enjoyed that you two were <laughs> part of me. But it's okay. If there are some fish in the barrel coming up that I'm looking forward to sink my te- teeth into. <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you rate this episode? 3.25, just slightly above the star and One Magic Christmas, but still below Arthur Christmas. I'm going to give it a 2.25. Changing mine. I think I like the star more. 2.75. I'm going to give mine an 8.5. You're putting this up with like the Santa Claus 2? No, the Santa Claus 2 I have higher. That was an 8.8. But that's close. That's really close. I liked it. Wow. <laughs> You move this one far up the list. So this one has an average score of 4.5, which would put it right in between Batman Returns and Arthur Christmas. Hmm. That feels wrong. Yeah, I'm really not happy with where this ends up on the list. That's how I felt about the Grinch and this (laughs) one. Okay, so that's a very Brady Christmas and the voice of Christmas. So Julia, uh, do you want to let people know about our patreon yeah so we've got some fun stuff up on patreon right now um most notably and most recently clue is up we watched clue tom was the first time he's ever seen it so it was a ton of fun to talk through that one um if you are interested in the content that is there on patreon um a simple and small donation of a dollar a month can get you access to um all the new extra goodies we put on there we veer out of the christmas territory so it's really fun for us and you might think it's fun for you as well um so visit patreon and look up tis the podcast and you will find our patreon site and while you're looking at our patreon be sure to rate review and like us every rating helps so we shamelessly beg each and every week um, but if all of our listeners would rate us, we would stop asking you. So go go ahead and rate us on iTunes. And we know you didn't all rate us because we see the download numbers, people. So exactly. rate us. When the download numbers equal our rate number, we'll stop begging you. 
I think we need to have another contest soon, guys. Speaking of that. Oh, that's a great yep. idea. So we've also we're on Facebook and Instagram as Tis the Podcast and Twitter as Tis the Pod. And we have a subreddit, R Tis the Podcast. Engage with us. We like hearing from you. We like the conversations. Julia, what's going on next week? Yeah, so in preparation for next week, um, we are going to be reviewing TLC's twenty. 20- 2014 film the secret santa none of us have seen this yet so i'm kind of excited we're all coming into it as newbies the trailer Um, and it was it did it was suggested to us by a reddit fan disco 54 um so i'm super excited to watch it i'm very excited to watch it too because he suggested this one to us and didn't just bring it to our attention he made very clear like all american christmas carol (laughs) so Disco, I have very high hopes since you suggested this one to us. Me too. <laughs> In other news, only 259 days until Christmas. That is 39 weeks. Under, Under 40. 40. Yay. Guys, it's crazy. And since this is, uh, for those of us in the Orthodox world, Bright Monday, Aknesitikam, Christos Voskresti, Christos Anesti, have a joyous Pascha season. Ditto. Yeah, right there. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Here's a story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold, like their mother, the youngest one in curls. It's a story of a man named Brady who was busy with three boys of his own. They were born. Somehow for my